Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William Choctaw, MDJD. Our mission is to empower you with the knowledge and the tools you need to thrive in all aspects of your life. Join us now as we discuss everything from nutrition and exercise to money management and personal growth. Dr. Choctaw will provide insightful advice on how to improve your physical and financial health, as well as your emotional and mental well-being. Whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, unlock financial freedom, or cultivate a more positive mindset, we've got you covered. Get ready to become the best version of yourself. So let's get started. Here's Dr. William Choctaw, MD, JD. So what is sudden cardiac arrest? Number one, it's the most common cause of death in athletes. Now, let, let me back up and put some things in perspective. This is very, very rare. This is not something that happens every day, once a month, probably doesn't even happen once a year, which is probably why you haven't even heard of it before. Uh, but it does happen. And the point I'm trying to make, and I'll make this point, or try to make this point throughout our discussion this morning is, if this athlete or this child is your child or your family member, you don't care about the numbers. You don't care if it's one in 100, one in 1,000, one in 50,000. You don't want it to happen to your child, okay? So we'll, we'll talk about some mitigation things that I recommend that could be done and even some things that I think parents can do uh, to sort of help with this. But we'll, we'll get into that a bit later. Remember this guy. This is Bronna James. Bronna James, if you don't know, is the son of the great LeBron James, probably one of the most famous basketball players in our time. Um, needless to say, uh, Bronny is his son, um, same genes. <laughs> so so the, no big surprise that Bronny decides that he wants to follow in dad's footsteps. You know, no big surprise there. Uh, and he's obviously very, very good, or, or he wouldn't be on these teams, and he wouldn't have been drafted uh, by one of, one of the um, – uh, best schools with teams in the country, USC. But Bronny is the reason for this particular discussion because Bronny is not, he's relatively unique, as, but he's not that unique. And the argument that I'm going to try to make starting now and toward the end of this discussion is we can do more, in my judgment, to, pro to protect our student athletes. Um, my grandson is named Vincent. Uh, he's a star soccer player, all state, whatever you want to call it. Um, graduated from high school this year and is on his way to college next year. Um, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of athletes just like Bronnie and Vincent. And my point is, I think we can do a better job in helping and protecting them. Now, when we talk about sudden cardiac death, Let's back up and say, but well, what is the most common cause of heart problem, which is rare, okay, in young people or in athletes? And the most common cause, uh, the most common type of heart problem in young people is something called myocarditis. Now, everything in, um, in, in medicine has a meaning. So when we say myo, myo means muscle, okay? Heart, C-R-D, means heart, and itis means inflammation of. So when I say myocarditis, 
I'm talking about inflammation of the heart muscle. Again, a relatively rare problem, but it does occur. So in general, this is considered to be the most common reason uh, why young people may very well have cardiac death uh, in their youth. However, it is not the most common reason for sudden cardiac death, which is why we're mentioning it in context. And I just want you to be aware of it, but myocarditis is not what we're going to talk about today. Okay? With myocarditis, and as the name implies, if you have an inflammation of your muscle, let's say the heart muscle, usually you're going to have symptoms over time. You're going to have soreness. You're going to have discomfort. You're going to have pain. So myocarditis, granted that it is a serious problem, but it is something that occurs over time. It is something that occurs over time. What I'm talking about is sudden cardiac arrest, something that happens immediately. Uh, and this is what we're going to focus on this morning. When sudden cardiac arrest occurs, and this is when you are in a crowd or you're in a store or you're out walking on the street or you're in a park, and all of a sudden the person suddenly drops to the floor or to the ground because the heart just stops. Sudden cardiac arrest. Um, most of these, understandably, are going to be outside of the hospital, as, as you might imagine. Many of these patients are not sick. They're, again, we're talking about athletes. They're not ill in general. They're running around like any other healthy young person would be. So their survival depends on them being in a hospital or close to a hospital where they can get certain types of treatments. So what am I what am I saying? I'm saying those types of treatments uh, should be outside of the hospital. And they're very specific. Uh, one is the um, defibrillator, the automatic uh, uh, defibrillator, which can easily be uh, portable. Uh, you will see them in some airports uh, when, when you go to catch your plane. You will see them in some malls, shopping malls, where a lot of people are, uh, where crowds of people uh, congregate, uh, because Anybody can suddenly uh, have a cardiac arrest uh, if you have some pre-existing cardiac condition. So let's, let's sort of take another look at this. The most common diagnosis in patients, young people, who have sudden cardiac arrest is what we call cardiomyopathy, okay? Cardiomyopathy. Again, let's, let's break the word up medically. Cardio, we're talking about heart. Myo, we're talking about muscle. Opathy, we're talking about a disease of the heart muscle. And this is a disease that you're born with. It's not anything they did. It's not anything that they should or should not have aborted. Uh, it's not anything that they ate or it's not an injury. They were born with it. It's in their genes. It's from mom and dad and grandma and great dad and all the way up that genetic chain. Okay. And because they were born with it, they don't know that they have it. They don't. Um, and that's part of the problem. The good news is we know that the majority of these patients, these young people, could be diagnosed with a simple test called an electrocardiogram, an EKG. This is where they hook up the things to your heart and they um, have you to lay down and then they run the strip and it just monitors your heartbeat, tells you how your heart is beating. So keep that in mind. We're going to come back to that. Most of these problems could be diagnosed ahead of time 
by getting a basic test. I don't know how much it costs, but it's not that expensive, called an electrocardiogram. Most sports programs do not do EKGs on the athletes, right? So we're going to talk about that a bit later, too. Um, and so then the issue is, well, if the, if, the, if, the, if the team won't do it, who should do it? If it's my son or my grandson, how do I protect him? How, how do I make sure that everything is okay? Let's say my kid plays club soccer, um, and every Saturday or Saturday and Sunday they go out for a team, but for a game. How do I make sure that my 20-year-old or my 15-year-old uh, does not uh, end up having acute cardiac arrest, uh, a sudden cardiac arrest? Again, it's a rare problem based on numbers, uh, but indeed it does happen. Just a general review. Most people who have heart disease, uh, who are adults, have what's called coronary heart disease. The coronary artery is the main artery that supplies the heart. Think of the heart as a muscle. Think about your fist. Heart's about the size of your fist, balled up. It's a muscle. It pumps blood uh, throughout the body. What makes that muscle work, among other things, is the muscle getting good blood supply. If you clog up the arteries or the canals that take the blood to that muscle, that muscle won't work nearly as well. And that's usually what happens as we get older and older and older. Um, and depending on our lifestyle, our eating habits, whether we exercise or not, et cetera, uh, and then we end up with coronary artery disease. Young people, and when I say young people, I'm talking about less than 21 years of age, don't have problems with the coronary artery in general. Um, if they have heart problems, it's going to be caused by cardiomyopathy, something that they were born with. Again, very rare, very rare. But if it's your child, you don't care what the numbers are. So who are these kids? Well, as we said, they're young, less than 25 years of age. They play the basic sports, soccer, basketball, football. Um, some have theorized that um, because they're athletes, um, uh, and this is where the, uh, the, the hormones are highest uh, in athletes, or in, in teenagers rather, not as in teenagers, uh, that this is why there's perceptual. No one knows whether that's true or not. That's just a theory. Um, but we do know that the body is changing uh, at different stages of life and during different ages. And whether that change is associated with uh, hormone changes that normally occurs in every single child, we don't really know. But it's just something to keep in mind. So what, what we're talking about is the heart and heart-related problems. Again, in general, across the country, most common cause of death is heart disease. In general, across the country. There is some data on sudden cardiac arrest in athletes, but it's very little data. Uh, and think about that. How, how would you do that study? Would, would you go around, would you send out um, questionnaires to different teams and ask them to fill that out, fill it out? Would a coach <laughs> want you to give his players uh, um, 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 uh, information or that you want them to fill out? Or would he say, you know what, we, we don't want to deal with that sort of stuff. We're trying to win a game here. We're, we're trying to go to the state championship. And you're talking about something that doesn't even happen but one in 40,000. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Uh, so my point is, the reason why we don't know a lot about this is that there's not a lot of incentive, if you will, 
for research to be done about it. Again, I'll go back to my familiar refrain. If it's your child, you don't care. You want the best for her or for him if indeed he or she uh, are, are athletic or involved in athletic competition. So we have some basic information, but it's old information, and it tells us basically what we already know. That if you play basketball or football or soccer or any of those high-intensity sports, you're more likely to have sudden cardiac arrest uh, than if you participate in less um, uh, dramatic sports. Again, as we've said, um, cardiac arrest is different from heart attack. And one, one of the things that we like to mention, uh, and we've said it before, heart attack is a plumbing problem. Cardiac arrest is an electrical problem. Because in addition to being a muscle, uh, the heart also is an electrical unit. It's an electrical unit. Um, so <laughs> what, what do you do when you're sitting at home and all the lights go out or, or your TV doesn't work? You know, first thing, you can call the repair people. The first thing they'll say is unplug it and plug it back in again after five minutes. <laughs> so now that, that's what you do, right? Because it's an electrical unit. So what are you doing? We used to call it in the older days rebooting. You know, I, I don't even think people use that term anymore, right? <laughs> think about that, because it's an electrical unit. And sometimes the electrical currents just don't do what they're supposed to do. And I don't really understand it. Uh, but I know that more likely than not, unplugging it and plugging it back in works. So that's usually what I do. Well, the heart is sort of similar. The heart is sort of similar. Uh, in medicine, we call that shocking the heart. We call that um, um, uh, shock in the heart. And we do that with, with the defibrillation machine. Uh, and we'll, 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 we'll mention that a bit later also. One of the things I do like to mention, I've mentioned this before, but I think it's always important uh, to mention that men and women experience heart attack. Now, I'm talking about cardiac arrest now. I'm talking about heart attack, which occurs in elderly patients or adult patients more often, uh, experience heart, heart attack symptoms differently. Uh, and this is based on the fact that uh, when I was in medical school in the 70s, the early 70s, uh, the studies were based on men. You know, men were the only ones in the studies. And so what we learned, which is what um, triggers uh, or stimulates our practice of medicine, was based on how men react when they have a heart attack, where you have the crushing subcerebral chest pain in the middle of the chest that radiates to the right arm. What's important to understand and what further studies have shown is that that's not true with, with women necessarily. That indeed women uh, I don't, may not have the classic crushing subcerebral chest pain uh, in the middle of the chest uh, like somebody sitting on your chest that then radiates to the left arm that men have. Uh, women may come in and they may say, well, you know, I just sort of feel faint. I, I just feel a little lightheaded. Or I've just been a little short of breath, and I don't really know why I'm short of breath. You know, I haven't been doing anything. I haven't been exercising or whatever. Yeah, I do have some chest discomfort, but it's not horrible, blah, 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 blah. An entire area, as I've mentioned before, of medicine now is now devoted to female cardiac health. Female cardiac health. Medicine is one of those areas that evolves all the time. Uh, and it will continue to evolve. It is not 100% today. It will not be 100% tomorrow. Talking about healthcare, but it continues to evolve. Um, and so it's one of the reasons why many times 
Uh, there's not a static best answer for what I should do all the time for my health. But just keep that in mind. I just think that's an important factor. Um, I might also parenthetically add um, that healthcare also has noticed that uh, various ethnic groups don't always respond the same way with a heart attack. Uh, you know, again, it depends on your genes, it depends on your culture, it depends on your, your habits, and on and on and on. So diversity is more than just something socially acceptable. It, it's good health care. It's smart health care. It's quality health care that you need to take that into consideration uh, and not just sort of paint everybody with the same brush. One of the things that I've learned, and this has really been more particular since I've been doing these podcasts and masterclass uh, discussions and research, is how important heat is to heart problems. Didn't really appreciate that five, ten years ago. But with this year being the hottest year on, in the planet in our history, um, and you know whether you don't have to live in Arizona in the desert or Palm Springs, you know, we're supposed to be 100 degrees today. Um, it's a problem. It's a problem. And the way the heat hurts you is primarily, or one of the main reasons it hurts you is with your heart. How does that happen? It makes your heart work more. Okay? So think about that. So if your heart is weak, let's say you've got some heart disease and, and you take medication for it, um, and your heart is, is taking care of you, but you now increase, you triple the demand on that heart, that heart may not be able to ramp up to that level. And then the heart dies, or the heart stops, and you end up having a heart attack. Okay? So my point, my bottom line is be very, very careful of the heat. Please, please, please drink a lot of water. Please hydrate yourself. Please remember that if it's, if it's 85 degrees outside, and you're in a house or in a room that's a closed space, and you do not have air conditioning, air conditioning, it may be over 100 degrees where you are in that closed space. So just because it's 85 degrees outside, it may be 105 degrees where you are. So please be aware of that. Likewise, if you're around young children, if you're around elderly people, make sure you double, triple check on them. Right. Uh, don't assume that just because you feel OK, that they feel OK. They may not. Right. And then obviously, if there is any type of medical problem associated with that, with the children or with the adults, it makes it worse. It makes it worse. So just please keep in mind that heat exhaustion, and heat stroke are real problems. They occur. More and more people are dying from it. Um, and um, so there are things that, that, that we can do to help with that. And what we do with these series of discussions and whatever, we talk about what we can do. You know, we don't talk about stuff that other people control. We talk about what we can do, either to help ourselves or maybe to reach out and, and help somebody else who might be at work or be in the park or be at a store or be at church or on and on and on. So let's get back to our topic, sudden cardiac arrest in young people. Again, it's a rare, but it's a serious problem. Um, you may remember the sudden cardiac arrest that occurred to this young man, again, 20-something. Um, but his situation was a little different. He was actually hitting his chest. So he had a trauma. Um, now, most of my life, I have been practicing as a trauma surgeon. 
my job, I'm one of those guys who called in at three o'clock in the morning uh, when somebody has been hit by a car or shot or stabbed. And we get in, we, we get in and, and do what we do to try to save that person's life. Uh, one of the most common causes of death in young people in general now, less than 60, less than 50, tends to be trauma, cardiac disease, uh, gunshot wounds, stab wounds, falls, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, but in this case, this particular type of um, cardiac arrest was caused by a sudden blow to the heart, which is believed interrupted the electrical system of the heart. Okay, it's like, if, again, your, 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 your TV is plugged into the wall, but you take scissors and you cut the cord or, or you hit it very hard, uh, you may interrupt the flow of that electricity and cause that, that area to not function properly. So what, what are some of the symptoms of sudden cardiac arrest? Now you're saying, okay, Dr. Choctaw, you're saying sudden, but now you're talking about symptoms. And what I'm talking about is I'm talking about immediate symptoms. Let me give you a hypothetical. Let's say I'm coach of a soccer team. You can tell I talk a lot about soccer. <laughs> that's really what I'm into. But let's say I'm, I'm coach of a soccer team, all right? And there's uh, Johnny, uh, who I think is just sort of a cut-up. You know, I think he, he, he just doesn't he, – he's, he's a good player – but, but he, he doesn't um, work as hard as he should work. And so after practice, I have all the players to run around the field twice um, uh, before they go in to um, get ready to go home. And so on this particular day, I tell them to do the same thing, to run around the field. Johnny runs about halfway on the field and then stops. And I go up to Johnny and I said, what's your problem? He said, oh, uh, coach, I'm just tired. I said, well, everybody's tired. I said, if you want to be um, uh, uh, Mbappe or Messi or 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 what one of the great you you got to push it and and think about it, that's that's the culture of sports right sports and and you know superstar athletes they push themselves beyond the limits that's what we expect of them when 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 Mahomes spins around like a top five times and jumps up and throws the football 100 yards and hits somebody in the corner of the end zone and wins the game, we say, wow, how did he do that? You know, so we expect miracles from our athletes. My point is, very simply, is that particularly with children, we need to dial it back a, more, a point that sometimes when Lil John is saying that he may really have a problem, he may not just be trying to get out of doing his job uh, because some of the early symptoms, they're usually brief, is uh, they may be more, more exhausted than normal for them. They may be more short of breath so that they aren't able to complete the task. Um, uh, they may feel dizzy or faint, which certainly you wouldn't expect in a 15-year-old or 16-year-old. They may complain of chest pain. So my point is, and this is probably really more for the coaches and, and the people who work with groups of, of youth, uh, just be cognizant of that fact. Um, um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. A number of years ago, I mentioned I'm, I'm a trauma surgeon. A friend of mine who worked at um, uh, Mount San Antonio College, I was a trainer. She was a trainer. And she would be a trainer for a lot of the high school football games. Uh, and her job would be to be on the, on the field, 
uh, on the sidelines. And if someone gets hurt or, you know, uh, sprains a leg or breaks a leg, whatever, she would go out and, and do whatever the trainers do, whatever. But she came to me one day and she said, Dr. Chakra, I need, I need your help. I need your help. And I said, okay. Uh, she said, would you be interested in sort of working uh, with me uh, on the sidelines for high school games? I said, you know, I'm really pretty busy. <laughs> I, I don't really have a lot of time uh, here with that. But she, she pushed me. She said, you know, she said, I'm worried. She said, I'm really worried. And this is, wow, 20 years ago. She said, these kids get hit out there. And, and she said, I'm, I'm not, she said, I'm not a doctor. She said, but I'm not sure they should be going back into these games. You know, the coach said, okay, you'll be all right. You know, they, you know, spray this or give them whatever, whatever. Okay, get back in the game. Get back in the game. You know, and, and she said, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm, I'm a little nervous. Well, as it turns out, we sort of reached a compromise. <laughs> One of the schools that she was the trainer was a school where my son was in high school. Okay. I said, talk to me. Talk to me. <laughs> That's right. I said, okay, talk to me. This is no gallows high school. Uh, and he decided, and of course I was against it. Um, uh, uh, he decided he wanted to play football. I said, oh God, why in the world? I said, I'm a trauma surgeon. Why do you want to play football? <laughs> but okay, okay. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be a good parent. I'm trying to meet him halfway. You, you know what I mean? And I said, okay, okay, okay. I said, please be careful. So I, I told Cassandra, this is the trainer. I said, I will do, because she also did Nogales. I said, I will do it for Nogales. <laughs> I, I, I will be on the field for the team that my son plays on <laughs> on Friday nights. So she said, okay, okay. And uh, the coaches were very nice. They were very, very nice. And I went in with one of them. And I told the coaches, I said, if I say he's out, he's out. No discussion, no argument, no if, ends, or but. I said, I'll be clear. Coach said, yes, doctor, whatever you say, no problem, no problem. And, and they were. They, they were extremely nice. They were very, very nice. But, 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 but I said all that to say that sometimes our kids are in more peril than we think they are. You know, we, we all like the game. I, I love football and I love soccer, whatever, whatever. But sometimes, sometimes um, there's another side of that. Uh, that, that we can improve about. And, and I, I just wanted, wanted to sort of make that point. So what, what, what should we do? Okay, so Dr. Hoffman, you've been going on and on for the last summer minutes. Ago. Well, what is it we can do? I'm, I'm just a mom. Or I'm just a dad. I go out and I take my folding chair and I sit it down and I cheer for my son. I, I must admit, I, I was particularly with, with uh, my kids. Now I watch my grandkids, but with my kids. I, I was one of those parents that you... How would you say? Um, not necessarily you wouldn't want to come to a game, but I, I was very engaged. <laughs> and, and my son, the big Preston, who lives in San Diego now, was actually a superstar. I'm not just saying that because he was one <laughs> But he really was a superstar. And, and he was very, very fast. So uh, he, he, he played uh, on offense, uh, used a center forward. And, and the teams knew that, so they would double, triple team him and that sort of thing. But when he would get the ball, he would take off. And, and when he would take off on the field, I would take off on the sideline. 
True story. True story. This is like true confection. Man. Right? So he's running out of the field. I'm running out of the side. Go, Preston. Go, Preston. Go, Preston. And then I'm yelling at the other team. You can't catch him. He's too fast. I see him on paper, my friends. Um, and so what they do, they knock him down. That's what soccer players do. If they can't catch you, they trip you. Right? If you don't believe that, you watch it in the pro game. Anyway, I, I digress. So, so what, what's my point is that soccer is an exciting game and sports is an exciting thing. But we have to look at how we can protect our kids. So we have to be aware that there are things that we can do that maybe we aren't doing. So what are some of the things that we can do? I recommend, this, this is just me, that whatever sports your child plays, whether it's high school or club sports, that they should have a physical exam. Now, most times, and I think it's probably a rule, they do have a physical exam. You know, I think, uh, I, I remember in my office in Walnut many years ago, I used to do the exams of different teams who played in, in the area. So I think they do get a physical exam. But it should be a good physical exam, number one. Not just check the boxes. It should be something like where you ask questions about, to your knowledge, has anybody in your family ever had heart problems? To your knowledge. They, they, they may not know. And that's okay. But at least it should be more than that. But my record, I, I think kids should get EKGs. And I realize that that's just, you know, people can go crazy with that. Um, because for a number of reasons, number one, is a rare problem that sudden cardiac arrest. Most kids aren't going to have it. <laughs> um, and I'm sure that the last, the last thing a high school coach wants to think about I want parents thinking about, or a club coach wants parents thinking about is, oh my God, uh, my son or daughter may end up having heart problems, blah, 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 blah. Again, I realize that that's challenging, but I go back to my original point. If it's your child or if it's your grandchild, you don't care. You want zero chance of harm to your child or your, and not only your child, to your neighbor's child or your friend's child or whatever. Nobody wants injury or problems to occur with kids. So my first recommendation is they have a good uh, history and physical. My second recommendation is they have an EKG um, as a screening test, as a screening test. Now some argue, well, you know, it's too expensive and, and you know, these teams don't have a lot of money. And that may be true. But I tell you, I've seen a lot of kids on the on the corner with signs for car washes to get uniforms and to get this and that. You know, I, I think folks could do it for something more substantive. Or, you know, I think parents could do it. Parents could get together. They have parent meetings. They are team moms and team dads. There's no way in the world you can't get together and raise money uh, to buy a little tiny EKG machine and have someone make sure they use it each season for the kids. People should edu be educated about risk factors. And my third uh, uh, suggestion is everybody, everybody, everybody should know CPR. Let me say that again. Everybody should know CPR. I was absolutely delighted. I got an email from, I think it was Shelly Shaw at the church. Yeah. yeah. They said they have a CPR case. And I said, yes, yeah. yes, go say Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why, why, number one, there is no downside. There's no downside to knowing CPR. And who knows, you may be the one on a field somewhere where a kid drops or an adult drops 
and people sort of standing around looking because they don't know what to do, and they're afraid, and they're afraid to touch or whatever, whatever. And you may be the one that says, you know, okay, you turn them over, you do the things that you know to do to do CPR. So please, please, please take the class if you have not get certified. Um, so my, my third recommendation is there should be some adult on these teams. I don't care whether school team or club team. Uh, that's, that's a certified CPR person. You just need one. But but got to go to every game. Got to go to every game. <clears throat> CPR, and I won't go into a lot of detail, cardiopulmonary resuscitation is what it stands for. Um, uh, basic things of 30 compression and two breaths. Again, take the class, uh, and then you'll learn specifically what it's about. The other thing that we talked about is the defibrillator. It's a little thing in a cute little green case like this. It's not that big. You know, I think every every game, one of these things should be in, in the audience somewhere. It could be on the coach's side or it could be with a parent. But you got to go to every game. Um, these are not difficult to use. Basically, you open them up, open them up. They tell you what to do, but in essence, they have like two little sticky pads, and you put them in different places on the chest, and you push a button. Again, unplugging your TV when it goes out. You know, and what you're doing is you're shocking the heart's electrical unit to get it beating again. And if you can do that, you just save the person's life. Done. Done. Okay. So why wouldn't one want to do that? Why wouldn't one want to do that? You do not have to be a doctor. You do not have to be a nurse. You can just be a concerned person, you know. Um, and again, that fits within our masterclass podcast. We're, we're talking about changing the world. We're talking about knowledge and power. We're talking about I am my brother's keeper or my sister's keeper or my grandchild's or grand, uh, uh, you know, son or granddaughter's keeper. Okay, so this is something that that can, that is doable. I realize it is it is challenging. I realize that. Um, so. What we want to do is we want zero cardiac arrest with athletes. Again, going back to what we said in the beginning. Uh, come, again, when we go into the hospitals and we tell the, um, the chiefs of staffs and the CEOs, and we say, you know what? You guys had 2%, um, only 2% risk this year. You had 98% good, good, good results. We want 100. Mm-hmm. 98 is good, but we want 100. And what are we saying? We're raising the standards. We're raising the goals. I think my grandkid is worth 100%. Dude, I think my kid is worth 100%. I don't want 98%, 97%, 96%. Uh, We were talking earlier because uh, uh, Brother Collins is is, is from uh, the Air Force industry before he retired. The people who led with a lot of this quality management. And, and Jesse also uh, is aware of this. Um, he's an AT&T um, former employee. Uh, are people, particularly the airline industry, who figured out that if we can't keep planes in the sky, people will not fly. Does that make sense? <laughs> We're talking about basic stuff here, right? If, 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 if I have a business and my business is flying you from Los Angeles to Chicago, but every third one of my planes falls out of the sky, you're not going to fly with my airlines, right? It's not that you don't like me. It's not that I'm not a nice person. 
Why in the world would we take the risk with our children? I realize it may be a little radical. Um, so what, 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 what am I recommending? Um, again, and I'm, I'm just about done. Zero risk. Uh, all the kids should have uh, history and physicals. Um, um, uh, and the kids should have screening EKGs. And I think that parents should basically approach the coach and suggest to them. Now, let, let, let me qualify. <laughs> if, you are, if you are a soccer mom or a soccer dad, do not, I repeat, do not go to your, son, your son's soccer goal and say, hold on, dad. <laughs> Uh, well, why don't you guys have an EKG? <laughs> My son didn't get an EKG. Matter of fact, all things did. Because the coach is going to run from you. <laughs> she's going to run from you. And she's going to run from you. You have to be diplomatic. Yes. You can say, well, you know, I, 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 I listened to this, this presentation or, or this podcast, and this speaker was talking about this and that. You know, I, I can get the parents together. And we, we could purchase an EKG. If we did that, could we set up a way? Because my, my next-door neighbor was a doctor, and he said he'd be willing to do it for free. Yeah, so so you got to help the coaches out. Does that make sense? Amen. Because your goal is to help the child. You don't want to scare the coach to death. Your goal is to help the child. And so sometimes you have to be a little diplomatic about that. The same thing for purchasing the, uh, the defibrillator. Again, I'm sure the defibrillator is a little more expensive, but they are horrible, horrible expensive. And I think every team should have one. And that defibrillator should be carried by a parent or an adult. Doesn't have to be a parent, it could be a coach, assistant coach, but it should be somebody who's going to be at every game. That, that's the, and you got to know how to use it. That's the bottom line. So, <laughs> in summary, uh, in summary, most sudden cardiac arrests are very, very rare. Um, but when they occur, the most common reason for their occurrence is hypertrophic cardiac myopathy. This is a weakness of the heart muscle that is congenital. Um, it is not something that's related to diet or exercise or injury. It's something that they were born. It most commonly occurs in, in, in kids or athletes who are less than 25 years of age. It's a cardiac arrest, which is an electrical problem. It's not like a heart attack, which is a plumbing problem, where the arteries to the heart get clogged up with cholesterol. Okay. Um, um, the treatment uh, requires uh, CPR because, again, the heart is stopped. The heart is stopped. And so then we, we get into the definition of what, what's, what's the definition of death? Uh, the definition of death medically usually depends on the brain. Right? So the reason why we don't call that death when the heart stops, because you got a few minutes, just a few, to get that blood back to the brain. Because if the brain dies, then that in hospitals, then you know, there may be some organizations to go back for that. That's when we get into the thing about brain death or death itself. Um, so that that's why we don't call, I don't call sudden cardiac arrest somebody dies, because they, they aren't dead. They aren't dead. But, but you, you've got very little time. And that's why you need to be certified. You need to know what you're doing. You, you don't have a lot of whatever, whatever. Again, 
when when I you know went into the emergency room or whatever, that that was no discussion. Mm. That, that, that was no meeting. That was no voting. Mm -hmm. I said A B C D, and it would be done, and and the team would get it done, and the team would end up saving the patient. Um, uh, preventive measures. Um, again, uh, they should have good health and physicals. They all do, I'm sure, have health and physical screenings, but they need to be quality. And additionally, I recommend they should have screening EKGs. Uh, the AED, the defibrillator, again, uh, uh, should be included in the CPR class, and folks should know how to do that. And our goal is basically zero cardiac arrest uh, for our children. My basic principle, God is in charge. I'm a physician of faith, and I believe, but for God being in my life, uh, I would not be blessed the way I am. Uh, and he continues to bless me each day. <laughs> uh, I, I do not have any bad days. I used to have bad days, but about 30 years ago, uh, Pastor Rebus, I decided that I don't, I don't need any more bad days. Uh, so I got rid of all of them. <laughs> got, 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 every last one of them. I got rid of all of them. And, and so now I, I have good days and I have great days. If it is raining, it's a great day. If the sun is shining, it's a great day. What's my point? It's how you look at it. Mm. It's how you look at it. Having to do with the day, it's your perspective. If it's not working for you, change your perspective. You have that control. Don't sweat the small stuff. Most stuff is small. Um, frequently, I used to stress. Um, I still stress, but I just don't stress as much uh, about things that would happen. I sort of figure out that most of the time, uh, when I said most, I'm talking like 90, 95% of the time, what I was stressing about was small and insignificant. Uh, so I learned to let those things go. Forgiveness is therapy, principle number four. Um, uh, when I perceive that something has happened or someone has said something to me that's negative uh, in some way, I have learned to forgive immediately. It does not matter what the facts are. I don't care. It does not matter who did what to do, who was right or who was wrong. Just forgive. Just forgive. Uh, and you'll be amazed that by doing that, <clears throat> how therapeutic that is not only for the other person, but it's also therapeutic uh, for you. Uh, and finally, my final basic principle is everything is relationship. Relationships are based on three things, mutual respect, mutual trust, and good communication. If you uh, are in a good relationship, uh, if you have good communication, you have those three, three, three things, you're in a good relationship. If you do not have those three things, then you have work to do. Let me also say that this series is part of the uh, Health and Wealth and Wise podcast. Um, uh, this podcast is, is, uh, comes out uh, almost weekly. Uh, the um, subscription um, website, www.buzzsprout.com, 2101003. I would encourage you to subscribe. All of these um, presentations are on podcasts. And so if you want to go back over something two or three or four times just for your own leisure, um, listen to them on the podcast. Finally, be the change you want to see in the world. Are there any questions? We, we do have a question from online. Okay. The nurse, uh, Patricia Roberts. Okay. Uh, Good. Can you hear me? 
Yes. Yeah, oh, is yeah. that? <laughs> I think they said Patricia. <laughs> Okay, go ahead, Pat. Hello. She might be on mute. You're on mute, Pat. Oh, I'm nice and on mute. Pat, are you there? Yes. Oh, okay, go ahead. I, I'm, still, I'm still not able to hear you, Pat. Looks like you're leaving. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is Pat talking? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Brother Catron. And, and Pat, hold on. We're coming to you. Go ahead. <laughs> Like the defibrillator that we were talking about? Uh, I honestly don't know. I don't know whether we have a defibrillator here or not. They're telling me my wife said yes. So I, I guess I, I, I have to believe that. <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, Sister Robertson's uh, question was similar to that. Oh, go ahead, Pat. Oh, is she indicated uh, that she asked, is there consideration in purchasing an AED uh, for the church? Uh, uh, Pat, I'll address that. I, I do not know, but I would certainly recommend that, say, like the nursing ministry or um, or you know, some, some of the ministries uh, put that into motion. Yeah. Since going here to church. Okay, okay. I think over near the nurse's yeah, station is right. It's one there, but they can double check. Okay. Uh, Pat, could you do me a favor? Could, could you double check and, and see if they do have one? Okay. Before, and it wasn't accepted, but I think now they do it quite again. Yeah. We all have to see you on the first. Okay. That's team. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, we had asked maybe a couple years ago. Pat, can I give you a suggestion? If you have any difficulty with that, would you let me know? I said, if you have any difficulty with them getting the AED, would you let me know? Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. No problem. Uh, any, any other questions? Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, yes. Yes. You mentioned being born, I guess, with a heart attack. About 25 years ago, I guess he went through Okay. I do a long time ago. Yeah. So, 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 so,
yeah, I, I suspect he probably was. Um, uh, and again, remember, if you're an athlete, particularly if you are a, a superstar athlete, a professional athlete, you're in excellent physical condition. I mean, you, you've had a lot of training, a lot of this and that. Um, and so my surmise would be that um, he, it probably was a congenital problem. Um, and, and, and that's why it didn't show up on uh, some of those other types of tests. I don't know why. Uh, and I think also that's an example of what I was mentioning earlier, that our knowledge, I'm talking about in healthcare now, continues to evolve. You know, probably back then people didn't pay that much attention to it. I think clearly people are paying more attention now. We've got spotters who are running, running around the church try, trying to find the AED and see if they're going to but, but no, I mean, but to go back to your part, Brother K. Trump, I, I think that's exemplary of what I was talking about. We're still learning about a lot of this stuff. Um, and, and unfortunately, a lot of times when people don't know why things happen or basic ignorance about it, we tend to want to go back to a default position to some belief system that's probably wrong. Well, all those people like so-and-so, they always get, you know, that sort of thing, which is not based on any fact, which is not based on any science. And so those are some of the things that we always want to be careful of, is to, to get the facts, get the facts and have somebody get the facts. But hopefully we can stop it from happening in the future. Any other questions? Yes. years. Number one, everybody's a little different. So all, all um, um, uh, atrial fibrillations are not created equal. Um, some, some may very well be hereditary, some may not. And so it would depend on in, in, your particular, in your particular family. The other factor, when you say over 70, um, one can argue that everybody, after a certain period of time, maybe we'll have some type of diabetic problem, heart problem, whatever, just based on age. You know what I mean? So my point is that that, that may not all necessarily be related to genes at all. Um, uh, but the answer would be uh, knowing her, her specific uh, uh, situation and what the, what the physicians diagnose as the reason why she would end up having um, uh, that, that particular problem. Her mother was a 40. Her brother, his brother died. I think he was 50, but that was in the 1940s. So, and that's the end. Like I said, some of her brothers and sisters got it, some of them did. That's why I was asking. 
genetic. Sure. And, and, and again, it may, but it depends on why they die. You know, they may not have died from a heart condition. It may have been something else. Yeah. Okay. 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 Thank you. What, what, this yes. is, what about fluid of You hear more about people talking about they have fluid around their heart or fluid around their lungs. What's that all about? That's an excellent question, she's calling. Uh, that's called congestive heart failure. What happens is, going back to the analogy of the heart being a muscle, as a muscle, that heart is going to pump fast and slow depending on what it has to do. Over time, that muscle may start to get tired. And again, this is what we're talking about over 70, 75, no longer. And, and it, it can occur sooner than that, but I'll just use it as an example. So the heart is not as efficient as it is still pumping. It's still pumping, but it's not as efficient. Instead of being 90% efficient, maybe it's 80% efficient. A, a sign of heart inefficiency is um, swelling or edema. Uh, because that blood is not moving around as fast as it. Now, there could be other reasons for that. I'm not saying that's every, but, but that could be one of the signs of that. And, and we call that heart failure, or it's sometimes called CHF, congestive heart failure. That could be one of the causes. Now, there could be other reasons, and certainly there are other reasons why people have edema from um, varicose veins, on and on and on. But what you were describing is, is probably early or certainly the early stage of heart failure. And there's medication for that. Uh, that that helps to treat. Digoxin is one of the main medicines used to treat that. Mm. And, and, and it can be when you have a surgery, like with the heart, with fluid around the heart, that they can, when they have the surgery, then they end up where they say it's a little, a hole of air is, is getting in, but they won't do the surgery right then because I guess it'd be too much for the person's heart. And later on, depending on the situation, they'll go back in. I'm, I'm just asking. Yeah, well, it, it, it depends on, no, but, but you said it correct. It depends on the situation. Uh, and again, it depends on what the circumstances are. Um, and so my point is that I would need more information about but why did they have the surgery in the first place? Exactly what type of surgery did they have? Now, certainly, um, one of my professors at Yale once said, you know, anybody can operate, mm. uh, but they said surgeons or physicians should know when to operate. It's the judgment part of it. And it sounds like in this situation, not knowing all the, all the other details, that uh, the judgment of the, the surgical team was, uh, we can come back and do this the next time. I've certainly made judgment, not necessarily with heart surgery, because I did uh, GI surgery, uh, and, so, and sometimes doctors do that. Uh, because part of what our responsibility is to do was safe. Um, you know, the first principle of, of um, first do no harm. First do no harm. So if we can do it safely, then we'll go ahead and do it. If we, can, we have to come back a second time or a third time and that's safest, then, then that, that's what they do. Any other questions? Yes. <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> uh, Dr. Schottel, it's amazing. I have a question. Could you uh, just briefly explain the relationship between the heart, blood pressure, and kidney? Okay, okay. Uh, as we mentioned, the heart is a muscle that pumps blood around throughout all of the bodies, every part of the body. 
Uh, an important part of that is, is the kidney in terms of the blood supply to the kidney. Now, I'm sort of oversimplifying a lot of this because there are a lot of hormones that both the kidney puts out uh, that affects how the heart does that. Uh, and the kidney's job is to filter the blood to take impurities out of the blood uh, so that it, so the whole system works uh, appropriately. If the kidney is not functioning properly for whatever reason, either from some de novo problem or damage or injury, it does not remove those things as much. That then makes the heart have to work harder. And I guess the best way to think about it is everything is connected. If every, if every organ system does this job, to the maximum, everything works smoothly. But if one system starts to break down, it then starts affecting those other systems, and that could end up causing uh, total organ failure. Oh, all right. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, yes. Yes, um, Dr. Chateau, I am a parent of three kids too, and I. Okay. And they were all involved in soccer too. Yes. And uh, hardly they went to a physical exam, you know, because it was needed. Right. <laughs> and, okay. And, and even the physical was pretty simple. It was just, you know, coughing. Right. I understand. <laughs> that was it. Um, but my question is as a doctor, as a primary physician, can you order an EKG? You know, for, for the kids, just... Oh, okay, I understand. Well, so, uh, if, in other words, as a parent or a grandparent, you can get your own EKG. I mean, you can take them to your doctor. Sure, you can do that. Um, um, uh, and, and, you know, let's say you, the team says, no, we're not going to do that. We're just not going to do too much, whatever. You can certainly do that independently. It's not wrong with that. Sure. So, so they can... Um, okay, my question is that my primary, the primary physician can... Uh, order that even Absolutely. though there is no uh, yes uh, you know something that you know you may get into sort of the insurance thing you know because uh, a lot of insurance said well no, we're not going to pay for that because there's no reason or whatever whatever uh, and that may be a situation where you just may pay out of pocket for it but most of the times you know it depends on how worth it it's, it's not going to be that expensive it depends how much you're concerned about but answer the question yes you can do that absolutely Okay, thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William Choctaw, MD, JD. We hope you enjoyed this episode. In fact, if you found this episode helpful, you can support and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform with the keywords, Dr. William Choctaw, and you'll find it very quickly. Also, subscribing helps ensure that you don't miss any future episodes. And then take the next step of action and share it with your family, friends, and or your co-workers. They'll be glad you did. So until the next time, live your best possible life the best possible way. You've been listening to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William Choctaw, MD, JD.